Welcome, everybody. We have a, <clears throat> a word for what's going on tonight here in the ashram. It's called love torture. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm experiencing it on my birthday every year, but this was, this was one of the better ones. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I've got so many things to do before I even get to my talk, but first, I'll welcome you as Baba Muktananda always welcomed everyone. He always said in Hindi, Sabko Barasan Mane Kesat Prem Sehadik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And that was the essence of his, his teaching to welcome people with love, to be kind to yourself and to others. And so in that spirit, I want to welcome you all on this birthday. <clears throat> and I also want to welcome a few other people. Uh, we have some visitors from across the sea. Uh, I want to welcome Iqbal. And Victor. And Gloria. And Zarina, Iqbal's wife, is also here, but She's a little under the weather tonight, jet lag. And so I want to welcome you. They're old friends of ours. We're meeting, we're meeting Gloria for the first time, but, but um, uh, Iqbal has uh, been the main uh, orchestrator of all our trips to Ganeshpuri. And uh, over the years since 2007. And uh, so it's very wonderful, very wonderful reciprocate. And, and we're looking forward to uh, being there Okay. Can't wait to go to Ganeshpuri. Same here. What? <laughs> Fantastic. So we're very grateful. And it's great to have you guys here. Also, I want to make, uh, I want to thank uh, one of my birthday presents. Extraordinary birthday present. You might have seen when you came in. If not, look when you go out. Uh, here's what's now on the front of the building facing the street. And obviously that's an ohm, but it's a, it's a special ohm because it's actually um, three to the third. Three to the third is 27, which is uh, 27 Tower Road. And it's also 27 forms of Shaktipat are delineated in the Shaivite scriptures. So uh, three times, three to the third power is very mystical. And, and uh, there's a big, sign like that, um, <clears throat> and I want to thank uh, uh, Shivaraj and uh, David Ma <clears throat> and Anandi and I conceived of it, but Swami Durgananda uh, designed it, and uh, Girishwari also. So thank you for that. It's a fantastic thing. <clears throat> and, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, and finally, I'm going to have a little fun now. Uh, here's my fun. Are you ready? I'm going to read a few passages um, from my book. 
this is this book, Happy for No Good Reason, which is my meditation book on meditation. And you'll see why that these uh, sort of non-sequitur passages mean in a minute. Uh, first passage is, what is this inner self? It is our deepest nature at the very core or source of the mind. It is the place of love, wisdom, and contentment, the place we've touched in our most profound experiences of life. That's the first one. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Here's another one. I knew a woman whose husband was violently opposed to meditation. If her meditation paraphernalia was visible, it caused turmoil in the house. She cleaned out her closet and created a meditation cave. That's the second one. And the third one, how can they be tied together? The involuntary nervous system is beyond conscious control. It is controlled by the intelligence of the body, not by personal will. You can decide to lift your arm, but digestion performs its functions automatically. The heartbeat is independent of your volition. There are yogis in India who can slow the heart down. Now, are you ready to see why I, I selected these passages? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Lights down. Sing well-known songs using the words of a completely unrelated book. Jimmy, you'll be singing for Myth and Scott. And you'll be taking your lyrics tonight from Swami Shankarananda's Happy for No Good Reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's the book you live your life by. Well, it's in the inner cell. It is in our deepest nature. It is in the very core of the soul of the man. It is place of love and wisdom. And contentment is a place we touch by our morals. <laughs> Let's 
we were getting rid of that. Let's hack it Oh, yeah. That too amazing degree. These are Yogi's in the air. They slow their heart rate down. <laughs> <laughs> The slow, the heart rate down. <laughs> Bonzi, huh? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't speak now. <laughs> A couple of months ago. <clears throat> Saraswati called my attention to a passage in one of the satsang books. Uh, satsang books are five volumes, collected question and answers with Baba during my time with him in the early 70s. We used to go meet him a couple of times a week in his room and ask him questions, and these were recorded, and they later became very wonderful books full of wisdom on everything. And um, <clears throat> uh, so the, the piece that Saraswati showed me was so good and so relevant uh, for my birthday uh, that I decided that I would share it tonight. Not to my birthday, but to my biography, I should say. It's dated 8 June 1973. And so let me set a personal context for it. Uh, it came at an unbelievably crucial moment in my sadhana. Now most of you, well some of you know that I was in Ganeshwari with Baba, with Baba Muktananda. Um, oh wait, we have some pictures, don't we? We have, oh, more pictures. All right, let's show. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Oh, this was in uh, Perth in 74. Yeah, do you have the one from Ganeshwari? This is Melbourne, 74. Bob is showing me how to chop a potato. <laughs> yeah. This is later in Sanyas, 77. Uh, this is uh, the Ganeshpuri days. This is uh, a rare photo. We're st standing around Baba at his perch in the courtyard. Can you pick me up? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, is that it? Is that it? Okay, great. So anyway, those were years I spent with Baba in his ashram, years of great uh, growth and uh, uh, tapasya, burning, as we say, and uh, all kinds of things. <clears throat> and I've written about it in uh, my memoir, Ganeshpuri Days. And there was um, uh, an incident that I've written about also. I'd been studying astrology. I got, into, I got the astrology bug while I was there. I started studying it intensely 
and I started to read my own chart. Um, and, you know, they say a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, Alexander Pope said. And so I had very little knowledge, and I read my chart, and I combined with my inherent paranoia, <laughs> I saw nothing but a collision of horrible planets uh, meeting a certain day, and I started looking. And on June 11th, 1973, they were all going to meet at every bad part of my chart. And I thought they were going to kill Girija. That was my idea. That's what I figured out. And who's Girija? Oh, Girija, my ex-wife, my then wife. Then what happened? What? <laughs> <laughs> it took a long time. <laughs> That's very naughty. Anyway, I, I, I became um, full of terror. It was sometimes knowledge is too much for you, you know. You have to grow into holding some knowledge. So this was too much. And I got, I got overwhelmed by terror. And I, I couldn't do anything about it. And I uh, moved around the ashram in a state of terror 24 hours a day. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, sometimes when you do intense what they call deep immersion, deep immersive sadhana with the guru, uh, all kinds of stuff comes up from inside, unconscious stuff. So I'd struck a rich vein of neurosis. Uh, and um, and uh, it was too much for me, but I couldn't even go to Baba and talk about it because I just couldn't. I, could, I had no shakti, no power. I was just, I was haunted and possessed by this. And Baba apparently was aware of it, and um, uh, he got tired of seeing my face looking like that every day, you know. Because normally I was very happy there, and now suddenly I was in this strange misery. Uh, and he came up to me one day when I was working in the garden at my job in the lower garden. And uh, this was very unusual. He came right up to my face like this, this close, and he said, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. Do the mantra 24 hours a day, he said. And, then, and, and do it for four hours intensely every day. And I realized as he was saying this, and he was right in my face like that, that he was, uh, he'd been aware that I was having kind of a breakdown. And so this was the medicine uh, that he gave me. Uh, and so he went, then he walked away. And so I finished my work and I immediately went to the cave, the meditation cave, very powerful little uh, room at the bottom, dark room where we meditated. And I started doing mantra and I started doing it intensely. And this went on. And um, uh, uh, the next day I was walking in the courtyard. Baba said, How's your mantra going? I said, Good, Baba. <clears throat> and uh, that was it. He never asked me again. But in two to three days of doing that practice, it all left me. There was no uh, terror, nothing. I was returned to my normal state. And I was full of energy again, full of shakti. And it was like a miracle. And by the way, we're having a mantra workshop tomorrow. <laughs> this is not an elaborate commercial, but it could be. Um, <laughs> The mantra, mantra is a tremendous practice, wonderfully wonderful practice. So if you're if you're uh, neurotic and miserable and 
Uh, even if you're happy, mantra is the best practice, and we'll talk about that uh, tomorrow. <clears throat> but anyway, so that, that stopped it, and it was long before June 11th. By the way, June 11th, by some co strange coincidence, is all the day, also the date that we arrived, David and I arrived in, in uh, Australia in 1991, uh, by, by coincidence. Uh, the planets were doing well that day. Uh, <clears throat> and so by the time June 11th came, I'd already overcome the problem. Uh, although as it approached, I still had a bit of trepidation, what's it going to be? Um, <clears throat> so this particular session of Baba's took place three days before that, on the 8th of June, um, uh, 1973. Uh, and midway through the question-answer period, a rare thing happened. Professor Jane said, we have no more questions, Baba. See, we used to come in and we'd write our questions, and then Jane would translate them to Baba, and then Baba would speak in Hindi, and then he would translate it in English for us. <clears throat> and we usually had a huge amount of questions because we wanted to know about everything, from mystical things, mysterious things, to, to practical things like diet and, and everything like that, everything in the world. And it never happened before that we ever ran out of questions. But so we, this time there was no more questions, and Baba was delighted by that. And so he gave an impromptu speech to fill out the time. And that speech is, uh, is what I'm going to share. after he came up here in the garden? After, after, oh yeah. It's after, it's, it's after, long after in the garden. The garden was, he came to me a couple of months. In fact, I think I figured out what the day was. But he came uh, a few months before, and I had already overcome it. But this was a few days before. Uh, and as he spoke, you know, the first part of it was okay, but the last part I thought he was really speaking directly to me about what had just happened to me. Um, and was he really doing that, or was it just one of these cosmic coincidences? Uh, I don't know, but here it is, okay? <clears throat> Professor Jane, Baba, we don't have any more questions. Baba, that's very good. <clears throat> there aren't too many questions, and that we'll be able to finish this session a little early today. We've been listening and making others listen for a long time. We should not treat meditation and this question-answer session as ordinary activities of our daily life. I lived for them. You know, the, that was the highlight of my week, the couple of times we could tra traipse into his room and, and uh, question about it. Just wonderful, but anyway. <clears throat> It's not like the fact that you must go to bed at a certain time because it's time to go to bed and you must have a cup of tea when you get up because without a cup of tea, you do not feel fully awake and alert. <clears throat> that applies to your worldly life. Also in your worldly life, we eat at noon and in the evening and we plan and provide resources for the next day because otherwise, how would we eat the next day? The question-answer session should not be on the same footing that you have to ask questions because it's Tuesday or Friday. It's not necessary to ask questions. So I say it's not a mundane thing, so you don't have to ask. <clears throat> it's very good that we, today we ran out of questions. 
<clears throat> and that you have not treated this session in a routine manner. You had to fill it up. The fact is, Baba says, that there aren't many questions raised in the scriptures, nor are there lengthy answers given there. If a seeker asks a seer a question, the seer, the sage, always answered it very briefly, and that was enough for the seeker. However, we read all that the various seekers have said, and yet we remain as poor as before. Arjuna listened to the Gita, referring to the Bhagavad Gita, and Krishna dictated the teaching of the Gita to Arjuna on the battlefield. He says, while standing on the battlefield, and he became completely enlightened. We recite the Bhagavad Gita over and over. We may have recited the whole 200 or 300 times. Baba says, I've held full recitations of the Gita at least 125 times, and yet we're not able to understand it. <clears throat> In those days, we did the Bhagavad Gita, a, a portion, a sixth of it, every morning. And we did the whole of it in six days. Later, we changed to the Guru Gita in the morning. <clears throat> it would be far better if you hear just one word of the teaching of a scripture or a saint or a guru and hold on to it firmly, guiding your entire life by it. It's not important to have extensive intellectual knowledge, but if you have one practical understanding I am the self, the self is within, and hold on to that, or Om Namah Shivaya, the mantra. Then you would attain something, Baba says. We hear and leave what we've heard, then we hear again and leave again. <clears throat> Just as we sleep and get up every day, we hear the, the teachings every day and pay no heed. It'd be much better not to hear anything if you're only going to leave it after hearing it. Tukaram Maharaj said, <clears> O <throat> mind, you should keep repeating the name of the Lord with single-minded devotion. Keep saying the mantra. It's much better than theories about, about spirituality. And then the Lord will take compassion on you and reveal himself within. Baba says, God remains far from man. Enlightenment remains far because he reads too much listens too much, and is too clever. He did not, if he did not listen so much, if he did not read so much, he might find the Lord. <clears throat> Rabia, the uh, Islamic woman saint, was asked a very good question in Mecca by a saint who was considered to be very highly advanced. The saint said, how did you find the Lord so soon? Rabia answered, I abandoned all methods and all scriptures and made him alone the supreme object of my heart. And that is how I found him so quickly. You can give up all theories, but focus on the highest. Whether you conceive of the highest as the form of God or as the self or as the formless, however you conceive it, focus on that. We get caught up in all the mundane activities, he said, she said, what they do, they did this, and so on, so we lose sight of the highest. Baba says, when Jane told me that we have very few questions today, I was very happy, because that convinced me that people don't ask questions because they're idle and have nothing else to do. They ask questions only when they feel the need to ask questions. 
It is the habit of the mind to keep on raising all sorts of doubts and questions. And in fact, this is the habit that the mind gets hopelessly addicted to. How much can a person explain? How long can one keep talking? <clears throat> now the part comes that I suddenly started hearing him speaking to me about everything that happened because it had been my mind that had made me crazy during this period. Baba says, the mind makes you more agitated, more disturbed, only when you attach importance to mental movements, to the various thoughts that arise. They take all the thoughts, whatever the mind thinks, they might be unhealthy thoughts, they may be negative thoughts, they may be stupid thoughts. We take, we give them great importance and we run with them and they bring us down. We think all kinds of things and they bring us down. Fears about the future, what somebody said about us, all kinds of things. Baba says, then the mind feels important. If you stopped attaching importance to the mind, what would it do, I wonder? The mind would have to be quiet. The mind does not have the power to get anywhere near the Lord or the self. The Lord is supremely pure, supremely innocent. It's wrong to think that you can purify the self by any means, by any method, by any form of sadhana, spiritual practice, because the self is always pure. The self is supremely pure. The self is the purest of the pure. <clears throat> Somebody on the Dosh line said, ah, they had a realization that it's never as bad as they think. I thought it was very profound. So, and she said, it's true. It's never as bad as you think. You know why? Because the self is supremely pure and the self is always there. No matter what your mind is doing, what your mind, whatever mind torture you're giving yourself, the self is always there. It's just that we turn away from it. We get driven away from it by our tendencies. <clears throat> he says, Baba says, the self was never tainted and it will never be tainted. Your mind may be crazy. Everything else about you may be crazy, but your self is perfect. If you can touch that self, that energy, that love, that peace will come into your life. In fact, there's nothing in the world that can ever taint the self because the self is always free from blemish. The wicked suicidal nature of the mind is such that it deludes you and makes you suffer from all kinds of afflictions and troubles. And now he's talking to me. This is what happened. <clears throat> this is what I saw. I saw, wow. He's saying, this is what happened to you. I'd gotten over it, but this is exactly because it was extreme. It makes you weep and wail. St. Krishna Suda said beautifully that man has become his own worst enemy. There's no reason for him to do that. What can I say? Man never thinks, who am I? Where have I come from? What is my present condition? What is the ideal state? What is the purpose of my life? He cannot resist the current of life. He is carried off his feet by its force. He is caught in it like an insect gets caught in a whirlpool. Man keeps wandering all over with his wandering mind. That life just, we become mechanical and we're just driven along by, by whatever happens and people think and 
events that happen and we lose our center. We lose touch with the self, he's saying. When man swells up with pride of his country, pride of his race, pride of his caste, pride of his learning, his literacy, or even his illiteracy, pride of his status and his vows, he can't, why can't he accept the word of the teachings of the guru with the same pride? We get filled with pride about all these other things. So take pride in the, the teaching of the truth. Why can't he hold the word of the scriptures firmly in his mind? The word which says that man is a portion of the divine. He is indestructible. He is absolutely pure. He's without blemish. He's pure consciousness. He's infinite bliss. Keep remembering that teaching, he's saying. <clears throat> all creeds, all faiths, all scriptures, and all saints have described the self as absolutely pure, the self, the soul, the essence of a person, ever blissful, and yet man has a different view of it. What shall we say about him? There was a poet in the part of the country I come from whose name was Sarvana. He writes beautifully and at times humorously. In one poem he says, you should give a good thrashing to the one who reads what is not written. Where is it written that the self is sinful, that the self is foolish, that the self is low and filthy? And yet this is what people believe. So to give a good thrashing when you have self-hatred and self-doubt. This is exactly what our condition is. We read what is not written. We do not read what is written. We create what's an illusion. Even one authentic word would be enough for our purpose. One authentic word. Truth, love, peace, contentment. Om Namah Shivaya. You should always think that the self is supremely pure, that the self is clean, the self is nothing but knowledge, and in this way you should constantly meditate on the Lord. And one of the things Baba impressed on me was to have that understanding that whatever I was going through, whatever ups and downs, that in principle, the self was always available to me. However bad it got, or I thought it got, there was always possible access to this place of peace, fullness, contentment, joy within me. And even when I couldn't reach it, it was comforting to know that that was true. It's just my, I was too weak or benighted to get there, but I knew it was there somehow. And that one day I would get to it again. Something would happen, I'd get there. Yari, a poet, said, you may make any number of ornaments, but all the ornaments are made of the same gold. What's the difference between gold and the ornaments? The ornaments are in gold, and gold is in the ornaments. You should destroy all the different ornaments and concentrate only on gold. Where is high and low in gold? You harm yourself without reason. Now, when you see yourself as small, you become small. You should always consider yourself to be pure and blissful. That is your innermost reality. The Lord himself has become this diverse universe. This is what you should be aware of. Salvation, attainment, and purity are all mental concepts. <clears throat> and if there were no mind, they would have no meaning. So seek, seeking liberation, seeking this, seeking that, it's all creations of the mind. If there were no mind, it wouldn't be a problem. In the Rudra Ridaya, 
Upanishad, it is said, the great soul Rudra himself, Shiva, has become all creatures. He is the self of all, and he can never become impure. He can never be spoiled. He can never be limited. And now Baba tells uh, the story, which the, is the one story he told more than any other story. And I think this is the first time I heard it. And this is a wonderful story to remember um, uh, because there's many different layers of it and I think we can all identify with it. He says, there was a Marathi poet, Ramachandra. His songs are full of knowledge of Brahman, knowledge of the absolute. Ramachandra holds a very high place among poets. Once I learned by heart a long poem of his which embodies complete truth. He describes the human condition beautifully. He says that man is sitting under a kalpa vriksha tree, a wish-fulfilling tree. When you sit under this tree, whatever you wish comes true. In India, they have the wish-fulfilling cow, karmadenu, and the wish-fulfilling tree. Uh, a tree that gives you whatever you happen to imagine. And what Bob is actually saying is that we actually sit under that tree. We actually sit under the tree that the the reality gives us exactly what we think, that our lives reflect the way we think. Extraordinary, shattering understanding to have, that if we could change our way of thinking, improve our way of thinking, uplift our way of thinking, our lives would be uplifted. This is the essence of true yoga. He says, man imagines what he shouldn't imagine, and he gets caught up in the net of his own fantasies. There was a fellow, and this is the story, who was wandering around in the heat of the sun. He saw a tree and sat down in its shade. He felt very happy that he comes to such a fine tree. But then he said, It'd be much better if there were a beautiful bungalow here for me to live in. Since the tree he was sitting under was a wishful-filling tree, the moment he uttered the wish, it was fulfilled, and a beautiful bungalow appeared with air conditioning. (laughs) The fellow went inside the house, and he looked around. He was feeling very elated. Then he said to himself, how much better it would be if I had delicious food on gold plates? He had the presence of mind to remember gold plates. <laughs> there's nothing, Baba says, there's nothing difficult for a wish-fulfilling tree. Easy. <clears throat> so that wish was also fulfilled. And not one but thousands of different, most delectable dishes appeared. The man was surrounded by them and was overwhelmed by their aroma. Baba says, then he wished for a few servants, and the servants appeared. And he wished that the servants would serve food to him, and that too happened. So he ate and drank and felt very happy. What does he want next? Next he wanted a companion. (laughs) Trouble. How could he sleep alone in such a beautiful house? In a moment, a ravishing maiden appeared. He couldn't even imagine such a beautiful girl. Then this fellow thought, well, she must be a ghost because the moment I thought of her, she appeared. The moment he thought that, the girl turned into a ghost. When he saw the ghost, he was afraid that it would devour him. And that's exactly what happened. The ghost devoured him. (laughs) 
That's the story the Baba told many times. Much more graphically, it says. <clears throat> this is how he ended up under the wishful feeling tree. This is all that he achieved in his life. He got so much, and then he made the woman a ghost. Not only that, he even got himself devoured by the ghost. Baba says, this is exactly what's wrong with man. In spite of the fact that Parmashiva himself lives in the sahasrara of every person, he keeps on thinking all kinds of thoughts. He keeps on imagining all kinds of things under the tree of Parmashiva. That really sank into me at some stage, not that day perhaps, but at some stage that, that our life is exactly what we create, that we have that power, that, that at the beginning we're, what Gurdjieff would say is mechanical, we're under the sway of tendencies and impulses that are learned and that are mechanical habits, negative habits, anger, fear, uh, depression, and these these, these uh, make us small, but if we do our yoga, we practice meditation, repeat the mantra, we strengthen our mind, eventually we have control over the mind, and then we can start creating positively, making a positive creation, moving our mind in a positive direction towards the self rather than towards ignorance. Baba says, you should think good thoughts you should think that God is within you, that you yourself are God, that you are in God, and that you've always been pure and will always remain pure and will never become bound. With this faith, you should pass your days in happiness and bliss. I would call that hortatory. <laughs> <laughs> Baba was a supreme well-wisher. What he wanted for everyone, he was a stern taskmaster. He fried us pretty good. But he always did that so that our minds would move in healthy channels. What he wanted from us is to know the self. That was the essence of his teaching and the essence of his being. He had no other purpose. He'd attained the goal. He was in a state of joy and bliss and peace. And so he was sharing that with other people and telling, hey, come on, man. You don't have to think all these negative thoughts. You can become great, because you already are great. Just find that greatness that's there. Baba says, what's the point of becoming dejected and falling into despair or weeping for no reason? You shouldn't imagine ghosts. You should imagine much better things. Then you won't be devoured. <coughs> so that's uh, the, Baba's extemporaneous uh, talk there three days before, and then on the day itself, nothing happened. <laughs> because it had already happened in spades. It was the most intense period of my life. So thanks, Sarasvati, for finding that, that peace. I'd forgotten about it. <clears throat> so there, there, that's the teaching in a nutshell, isn't it? Something to think about. Let's meditate. And I, I want to thank you all for celebrating the birthday of this body <laughs> so, uh, so uh, overwhelmingly and excessively. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and uh, <clears throat> thank you.
thank you so much. And uh, uh, but the, the greatest thing is to be able to hang out with you all uh, in the shakti of the guru, in the shakti of the truth, and to remember the highest, and to remember the, and to experience that great shakti, that great energy of the self that uh, Baba has given us. And this is Baba's ashram, and this is Baba's gift to all of us. And so I want to welcome you on this occasion. And uh, we're going to meditate now. We'll meditate for 10 minutes. Uh, and we'll meditate on the inner self, on that place that Baba's talking about, that place of joy, of purity, and peace within. And you can use the mantra, uh, repeat the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya, let the other thoughts quiet down. Don't pay that much attention to the thoughts. Let the mantra take over. I'll see you all again tomorrow. We'll do some intense mantric work. And once again, with love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Sat Guru Maharaj Ki Jai. Let's meditate for 10 minutes. <laughs>